They've beamed in President Zelensky for the opening ceremony, put Ukraine's colors on the festival mascot, and are showcasing a selection of films that evoke conflict and resistance. The Berlinale is as politically engaged as ever this year. And to bring us more from that landmark movie event, Emma Jones joins us from the German capital. Hi, Emma. Now, as well as the shadow cast by current Hello. events, this is the first time the festival's back in its usual form since 2020. What's the mood like? Yes, it's actually, I think, of profound relief. Everything is as you say, back to normal after the ravages of the COVID-19 pandemic. There have been quite a lot of Hollywood stars on the red carpet, including Anne Hathaway and Peter Dinklage for the opening night movie. That's a Rebecca Miller rom-com, She Came to Me. Helen Mirren was on the red carpet a couple of nights ago. She's in a film called Golda, which is about the life of Israeli PM Golda Meir. And the European film market is really back to full strength. So as I say, I think it's more relief than jubilation but there is a lot of joy to be back to normal here. OK, good news. And there has been a real focus on supporting Ukraine at this year's festival. Tell us a bit more about that. Yes, as you were saying, Berlin is, is really the most politically aware of all the major European festivals. And so it has been shining a spotlight on Ukrainian filmmaking, trying to support them and also showing solidarity with Ukraine itself. And just to say they are actually doing the same thing for Iranian filmmaking. I guess in terms of the big showpiece from Hollywood, in terms of, of, of Ukraine, though, it's got to be a film called Superpower, which is a documentary co-directed by the actor Sean Penn. Now, he was in Ukraine f trying to make a documentary on President Zelensky on the eve of the Russian invasion on February the 24th. So let's see a little bit about Superpower and also hear from Sean Penn, who was asked, I think, in the press conference, really, why President Putin had not been approached for this documentary. Democratic country has been invaded by its nuclear armed neighbor. At least three explosions rocked the capital of Kiev. Russia is picking off Ukraine's military facilities one after another. What the fuck is going on? You wasn't No. You say only office the president. Okay. Understood. Okay. It was very early, quite clear to us that we were not going to let our film be a podium for transparent uh, deception, and that that's all that Mr. Putin and the Russian Federation had to offer it. I could. I. I think we would have been better served talking to, to a wall. Uh, we. This is not an unbiased film because it's not an ambiguous war. To be honest, I'm not sure what European audiences are going to make of superpower. Um, the exchanges between Zelensky and Sean Penn are very, very interesting. It's clear the actor hero worships the president. But it's made by Vice, and Vice have a particular style of filmmaking, I would say. And this is very, very much aimed at the, the American audience. It explains the background to the war in great depth. And Sean Penn is unapologetic that it is really, really aimed at that, uh, that American audience. It also really follows Sean Penn around as he goes across Europe and America and he's interviewing various politicians and appearing semi-statesman like himself. So I think it just depends if you're interested in seeing that as to whether you're going to enjoy it. OK, well, speaking of uh, American stars, Steven Spielberg was also on the red carpet last night in mm. Berlin. A lot of excitement about that. 
Yeah, absolutely. He got a rapturous uh, reception last night. And I think it's really interesting to see the return of some low-key Oscar campaigning back. If you think that Kate Blanchett is actually coming into Berlin tomorrow with her film Tar, of course, she's up for a, a Best Actress Award at the Oscars. And then Spielberg himself, he, he's got a film called The Fablemans, uh, which is also heavily nominated at the Oscars and is also out in France uh, today. So let's take a look at The Fablemans. What kind of movie are we going to make? You dismiss what he does. It's playful or imaginative. You could afford to be a little encouraging. She should have been the concert piano player. What she got in her heart is what you got. You can't just love something. You also have to take care of it. It's more important than your hobby. Can you stop calling it a hobby? I think Spielberg himself would agree that The Fablemans is his most autobiographical movie to date. It's about a young boy called Sammy Fableman, and he's growing up with a growing love of cinema against the traumatic background of his parents' breakup. That's very much what Spielberg says that he experienced. Michelle Williams is in the film playing Sammy's mother, and Spielberg has said that she gives an incredible performance of what his mother was very like, was actually like in real life. And then, of course, there's this aspect of a great homage to cinema in the film. And so many directors we're seeing are, are just doing that at the moment because, of course, they're afraid of, of people losing the desire for the big screen experience. And so they want to point out how special it is. Yeah, it is indeed a very personal story. So it's perhaps fitting that this golden bear mm. for lifetime achievement comes as Spielberg shows us his autobiography, mm. as you say. Here's a bit more from him on getting that prize. This honor has particular meaning for me because I'm a Jewish director. And I like to believe that this is a small moment in a much larger ongoing effort of healing the broken places of history, what Jews call tikkun olam, the repairing and restoring of the world. Well, we also heard about an upcoming project from Steven Spielberg. He's shooting a mini-series on the life of Napoleon based mm. on an original script by Stanley Kubrick, yeah. which never got made. Well, that promises to be a European epic. But speaking of Europe, tell us a bit more about some of the yeah. local films screening there, Emma. Yes, there, there are five German films in competition this year. And given how well a film like All Quiet on the Western Front has done in, in award season, I think there's a huge expectation around these films from Germany uh, that at least one of them should do quite well. I think the most notable to mention is Someday We'll Tell Each Other Everything by Emily Atef. And Emily Atef made a, a French film recently called Plus Que Jamais, which she was uh, really acclaimed for. Now, this film is an adaptation of a classic novel. It's set in East Germany in 1990, a year after the Berlin Wall fell, and it's about the love affair of a young woman with a 40-year-old man. But there's been quite a lot of controversy around the film because in the book, uh, the heroine is actually 14 years of age. In this, she's, she's, a, she's a young woman. She's around 19. And, of course, there's been a lot of questioning as to why that has had to happen, why uh, the filmmaker wasn't faithful to the book. Anyway, let's see a little bit of this film. Einmal kann er sie noch haben. 
Vaters. Zieh sie sich aus. Hmm, it does look good. Well, one film that's got people talking this year is mm. Disco Boy. This is quite an offbeat feature, this one. Yeah, this is a French co-production, and it's also a debut feature by Italian director Giacomo Abruzzi, and it stars the sublime German actor Franz Rogowski, who you've probably seen in quite a few films, and he stars as this Belarusian who joins the French Foreign Legion, and like so many fictional legionnaires, finds it difficult to leave his past behind, particularly when he's sent on a mission to the African continent. And what's striking about Disco Boy is really its dreamlike quality, the way it explores war. And I think that it should get quite a wide release because of the central performance. I mean, Franz is really good in whatever he does. Let's have a look, quick look at Disco Boy. Certainly looks atmospheric, that one. Well, finally, to a documentary that takes us back to the 1990s and the dark days of the conflict in former Yugoslavia. Kiss the Future charts the efforts mm. of rock band U2 to raise awareness about the siege of Sarajevo. There's some very big names behind this film. Tell us a bit mm. more. Yes, indeed. It is produced by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Yes, that's powerhouse. And Matt Damon was actually here in Berlin, as was Bono on the red carpet, to talk about Kiss the Future. Now, it's very, very much a music documentary. And as you say, it really is about U2's spine-tingling concert that they held in Sarajevo just after the war had finished. And they promised to do it. And they actually managed to pull it off. And it was a seminal moment in trying to bring um, a, a country that was so fractured, you know, together again, physically in a, in a stadium. So really the hairs on the back of your neck stand up when you're, you're looking at this concert. And you've got to, and it really is extraordinarily moving. Ah, a historical moment indeed. Well, thank you very much for that roundup, Emma. Mm. We'll leave you with a clip of Kiss the Future. Do check into our social media accounts and our website for the latest from the Berlinale and for more movies, arts and culture. There's more news coming up on France 24 just after this. In Sarajevo, there was war. They were in the middle of it and they were using music as a shield against actual <laughs> dark forces. So when I grew up... Punk rock was that for me. We went to see The Clash in 1977 on their first tour in Dublin, and that's how it started. Nice and 